Good morning. Isn't it great that uh, God's sunshine and God's rain? We really needed that. So I was praying for that and God delivered. Isn't that amazing? So we are following Jesus. Okay, now uh, I hope, I guess maybe if we could do this next year, we'll probably be doing it on Facebook. So that would be a lot more, uh, I guess, three dimensional. I kind of get the idea because it's really great to be able to. Follow Jesus and really pay attention to the details. Pay attention to what he says, what he does, how he does it, uh, and then the response of the people, and then learn from that because we all need to really follow Jesus. Not just on the great days of the year, the great holidays, but throughout the year. Not just Sunday morning, but every day of the, of the week. So last, uh, last uh, Sunday, we talked about the... the uh, in, in the Greek tradition, the holidays, all the week, is, it's, the, it's not just Holy Week, it's actually the Great Week. So it's Great Sunday, Great Monday, Great Tuesday, that's what it's called. Um, and I remember that well because uh, <laughs> uh, when I was in, I think I was in first grade, uh, the teacher had us do a homework of, uh, of doing uh, the weeks, you know, of the week, you know, the seven days of the week, and I started with First day, second day, third day, you know, and uh, uh, instead of Sunday, so because Sunday in Greek is the Lord's Day, that's what it's called. It's not called Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. So she had to. She told me that you know you did it all wrong. Now you have to do the whole thing over again because you you said first day of the week instead of Sunday. <laughs> so it's really really important that you know a lot of countries live in that kind of religious kind of. Um, uh, culture which has incorporated Christianity into its everyday life. And that's what actually we all of us are supposed to be doing. So last, last Sunday we talked about Jesus Christ on Sunday. What did he do on that day? And, and uh, uh, we realized that this was a tough week for Jesus. He had to deal with all kinds of problems. There were problems within the group of disciples that were close to him. There were problems outside the leaders of Jerusalem, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law that, you know, were expecting something amazing uh, and realized that, you know, they were on the other side. Instead of understanding who Jesus was, instead of understanding the day of his coming into Jerusalem, and Jesus came... On that day, he came as a king, as a servant king. And this was the first time that he ever allowed his disciples to really glorify him publicly. Remember the hosannas and all that? So that was Sunday. Today, we're going to look at what happened on Monday, the next day, the great Monday of that week. Jesus was, as we... Understand him, he was God, king, priest, and sacrifice. The the Christmas hymn says, Glorious now see him rise. God, king, priest, and sacrifice. These are all the roles that he's playing. But all that his own people see is 
another rabbi, another maybe prophet, another person that's coming and talking and having crowds around him and another sort of called, sort of called magician that's doing all these amazing things and they're afraid that the they're afraid that if a rebellion starts because there's another nationalism because wow look what look at God our father has done he's given us this great prophet who does miracles who walks on water he does feeds people i mean this is crazy he can beat the romans anytime so that was one of the concerns of the authorities, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the ones that were politically alert. Because they were under the occupation of the Roman Empire. And you don't do things like that. You don't get the crowds all riled up. It's not like a big, you know, Colosseum week and you're rolling up all the troops and everybody's rah, rah, rah. No, there's all kinds of Romans around and they are concerned because they want this Pax Romana, they want that peace in the empire to last. Not on their own watch. So Jesus has spent the night in Bethany, most likely at the house of Lazarus, his best friend, his BFF. <laughs> and uh, uh, for some reason, he skipped breakfast. I'm sure that, you know, you know, I don't know how, you know, you are in your home, but, you know, in our Greek home, and I'm sure the Jewish home is like, Eat, 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 eat. I mean, this is, if you don't eat, it's like you're embarrassing the hostess, you're embarrassing the host, you know. You're, you, what, why? You're not, you know, we're not good enough for you? I mean, this is, this is usually what happens, right? But I'm sure that throughout all that, Jesus said, no, no, no. Maybe he was in prayer. We have no idea what he did. But we know that he slept in Bethany. And then early in the morning, he takes off. His disciples are coming behind him. He enters the holy city. He has work to do. The previous day, on Sunday, if you remember, he had gone into the temple and just looked around. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He just looked around. And I'm sure he was, he was freaked out <laughs> because it was not the temple that God had asked Moses to build. It was not the temple that Solomon had in mind to build. It was a temple that had been changed and, and changed to the point of not being recognizable by anybody who really believed in Yahweh, anybody who really believed that this was a place of sacrifice and forgiveness of sins. So this day, Jesus' major issue was to go and cleanse the temple. That was his mission. That's what he wanted to do. But he was hungry, and as he gone up the hill from Bethany, he sees, he spots a, a fig tree it's full of green leaves. And I don't know, how many of you have, have uh, really know fig trees? How many of you? Okay. Uh, fig trees are great because they have figs, but more importantly, you have fig marmalade. And that's... <laughs> you get a bite of that, and you get hooked for life, okay? So Jesus was hungry, Okay, he was hangry, okay, and he needed something. He figured, you know what, you know, one or two of those figs and that would last me the day. I don't need much. We're not sure again whether he was, he was uh, 
fasting, but I have a sneaking suspicion he was fasting. The, the writers don't tell us. And why do I know? Because he was hungry. He was hangry, okay, as the commercial says. We want to make that clear. And so when you don't have enough calories in your, uh, you know, burning in your, in your body, what happens? They, uh, the uh, uh, sugar goes, level goes down and you no longer feel happy. <laughs> You're constantly irritable. You're irritated. So he goes, and for some reason he just forgot that this may not be the season for figs. He didn't care. He was hungry, he was irritable, and he wanted to eat something. Just a couple of figs, that's all he asked for. So he goes to the tree and starts looking for figs. But no matter how many, how many branches he pulled down to get a better look, there was no fig to be found. So Jesus, this is early day. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> early in the morning, he just had it. That was... The whole day was just shot for him, okay? He just decided that, you know what? You may never bear fruit again. He just yelled at the tree. You may never, may you never bear fruit again. And the writer, I think Luke tells us, immediately the tree withered. Immediately. Now the other two uh, writers, gospel writers, tells us that that happened the next day when they came back. But in this instance, the tree withered at the time that Jesus cursed it. Monday was not a day where Jesus came as a king servant. I'm sorry, Monday was a day that Jesus came as a judge king. He came as a king. He came to what that which was his own, the Bible says, but his own did not receive him. And because of that, he was trying as a last warning shot to the, the people in authority, the people that were the leaders of Israel, as a last resort. He was trying to let them know that this is the judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And you cannot have the same old, same old uh, attitude. You need to change. You need to understand the times. You need to know exactly what's going on right now. Because if you don't, if you let him pass him by, if you pass him by, there's judgment coming. So he went on from there. He wanted to do the next thing in his agenda. He's not just a king, but he's also a priest. And one of the jobs of the priests, the Levites, was to actually serve at the temple. And their job was to make sure that the temple was clean. The temple was always ready for sacrifices. They, they were supposed to uh, allow people to come so they would then bring an offering. An offering had to be examined. It had to be made sure that it was clear. It had no spots, no blemishes, nothing broken. The animals had to be perfect. And then they would take the animals, sacrifice it, 
And then the somehow, according to the law of Moses, there will be the person who brought the animal to be sacrificed. During the sacrifice, that person sins and their household will be taken care of. That was the idea. But when Jesus came to the temple, he saw something totally different. Yes, there were sacrifices going on, but there was a whole bunch of other paraphernalia in the out, out, outskirts of that temple. And, and as you as enter, there were all kinds of money changers, all kinds of people exchanging money because the, the rulers of Israel decided that they could make money off of sacrifices. In the Old Testament, there was no money. You didn't have to pay the priest to sacrifice the animal. That was their job in the desert. For 40 years in the desert. And for centuries later, it was always the job of the priests and the Levites to cleanse the temple, make sure it was clean, and to make sure that the sacrifice went on day after day after day. And some days will be you know, hundreds and hundreds of sacrifices because that was a major day. But here, the authorities of the day, the leaders of Israel decided that let's make some money. So they had a special coin that you had to pay to be able to get the sacrifice. There was a special coin that was the coin of the temple. And if you did not have that coin in your pocket or in your purse, guess what? You had to exchange it for the denarii that you had in your pocket. So you had to pay for that. And that's why it's an, uh, an exchange, right? It's you, you give me this kind of of a coin, and I will give you this kind of a coin that will then be allowed to be paid for the sacrifice, and then everything, everything is fine. So they had all these tables, they had all kinds of dealings, and I'm sure it was, it was like loud, and, and I'm sure people were cursing and getting upset, and by the time they got to the sacrifice, I'm sure the whole thing was like a, a, a huge deal, and they were very upset, very angry, nothing to do with actually honoring God. It was all about making money, it was all about having power over the people and saying, you know, this is my position. You know, I'm going to ride this as long as I can so I can become rich. And Jesus was up to here. He's still hungry. <laughs> There's still no food in his stomach. So he gets in there and makes a havoc of everything. He starts pulling tables down and kicking things and, and just, you know, letting, I think you've seen the picture. You've seen the, the videos, right? You've seen the, all these different movies on Jesus, on the last week of Jesus uh, on earth. And that's what happens, right? He just goes around and just lets the birds fly, you know, kicks things around, kicks stands, you know, yells and screams at everybody and then takes a whip, right? There's a whip and it starts whipping people and overturns tables and all the money and all the stuff is gone and everything is now gone berserk. Of course, people get upset. At the end of all that, Jesus says, quotes the prophets of old. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. You have to think about what is a den. A den is a hideout, right? That's where thieves hide. And then they go out, you know, go and steal or whatever in the 
in the night, and then they come back and hide, so nobody knows where all the loot is, so all the stuff is, right? That's exactly what was going on, Jesus says. And I'm done with you. This is not going to work. You don't realize that the time is coming near. And I know that in the New Testament, many times you, you hear Jesus talk about that all these things, that for instance, for the temple, He said that not a stone on a stone will be left. By the time the destruction comes, after the, right after the destruction, there's not going to be any stone left unturned on that temple. See that amazing temple that Herod the Great, the great built and everybody's ooh and eyeing over it? It's going to be leveled to the ground. It's going to be dust. And people could not believe that. No, God would never do that. God would never do that. How is it that so many times we are so blinded by our own life, we are so blinded by the people around us and all the stuff that we have to do, all the, all, all the musts, you know, whether it's our job, whether it's our family, whether it's you know, entertainment, whether it's taking time out, vacation, everything else, it's all about us. And the question is, what about the temple of God that is in our hearts? Jesus said, from now on, people are not going to be... Remember the Samaritan woman? He told her that from now on, it won't matter where you are and where you are worshipping because the worshipping paraphernalia will be you. What he, meant, what he meant by that is that once he died, paid for our sins and was resurrected on the third day, then we would get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be the temple of God in us. Our bodies would be a temple of God. Our bodies would be a temple of God. I want you to think about that for a second. What kind of illegal activity is going on in your body and my body? How do we keep our bodies holy? There's no more sacrifices to be made. Everything is played out 2,000 years ago. Jesus died once and for all. And all the sins of all the world have been wiped away. But we still have a temple. Paul reminds the Corinthians, don't you realize that your bodies are a temple of the living Lord? We need to prepare ourselves this morning for communion. It's coming to the table to sit with Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We come with all that we are, all our disappointments, all our sins, all our regrets, all the things that bother us, all the things that we struggle with all, all week. But we come with the realization that because Jesus died, we may live. Because Jesus offered the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. The Jesus who was a judge at that day, on that day, 
a king and a judge for his people, took on all those sins and the sins of the whole world, and allowed the people that he fashioned, the people that he fashioned, the people that he made, that he created, allowed them to crucify him on a cross. So that through that sacrifice, through that totally absurd justice of God, it's an absurd justice of God, that instead of wiping out the whole world, all the humans that are constantly sneering at God, constantly turning their backs on God, instead of, instead of taking it out on them, God takes His one perfect Son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus who came from the bosom of the Father and takes Him and puts Him up on a cross to become sin for us. So that God the Father, His justice, His truth, His purity, His holiness may still stand, but at the same time transform us into perfect human beings. This is an amazing mystery. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, believes who Jesus was, truly was, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I hope that all of us here have made that decision, a decision that comes from our heart, a decision that comes from our whole being, that at some point in our lives we, we looked at ourselves and looked at what God offered through Christ and we said, Lord, be my Savior. Lord, be my Lord. I want you to come into my heart. Forgive me for what I have been so far. Will you forgive me of all my sins? And we allowed through the Holy Spirit the power of the resurrection, the power of Jesus' blood on the cross that was shed for us to say, that blood was for me specifically. If you've never done that, if you've never said that this blood of Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago was for me, then you still are not forgiven. But if you have, if you made that commitment, if you made that confession, then, as the Bible says, with the heart we believe, and with the lips we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. So we belong to Him. And if you belong to Him, then you come to the table, His table, that is open for you this morning. And I would want us to, to come this morning after taking a few minutes of talking about with ourselves. My body is the temple of Jesus Christ. What's going on in that, temp in that temple? If Jesus was to come and sit next to me this morning, what things would He point out? What things would He say, you know, you're following me, but things have to change? What things do we need to drop? What activities? What thoughts? What attitudes? 
Would you do that right now? Would you take a few minutes, please? As we get ready to sit at the table of the Lord.